The Chad Cobbick Podcast Network. Two Angry Men. A podcast featuring a legendary baseball player and a legendary sports broadcaster. Two Angry Men. And now here's your hosts, Chad Cobbick and Denny McLean. Well, two angry men have gotten together once again. Sports fans, how you doing? Copic in Chicago, along with Major League Baseball's last 31-game winner, Senior Denny McLean up in uh, Motown. Uh, right off the top, my friend, uh, who is in charge of telling Sammy Sosa that he looks like Betty Davis in Whatever Happened to Baby Jane? Because, man, he is oogly with a capital U. I wonder if this is one of the byproducts of taking too much juice. Um, you know, I'm beginning to think that a lot of the guys have changed a little bit, but nobody has changed as dramatically as Sammy. Now, he may be getting those deals that uh, Michael Jackson was getting, you know, trying to become a white person despite uh, his uh, heritage. Um, but I, I just don't know. But I suspect that some of it, I really mean this. I'm not kidding now. I believe that some of this transformation can be from the juice. And I'll tell you what, I was talking to somebody in Chicago, oh, I don't know, it's got to be a couple of years now after this thing had, had happened and what have you, and uh, this particular writer say, everybody knew about it. Everybody knew that Sammy was injecting the hell out of himself. The problem is nobody knew what was too much. Maybe this is a result of what is too much. I mean, you just don't know. And what else will it do to the body? We know of wrestlers who have died of taken too much cortisone uh, they've had brain uh, cancer they've died from other things we've had all of these other people die who who have been proven to be large uh, cortisone and, and and juice users i mean don't you just wonder what it does to the body eventually yeah i do and uh, denny kind of interesting you know you bring up uh, the map world i've been a ring announcer uh, previously for uh, vince mcmahon Mickey yeah. Rourke, when he had the wrestler out last year, had a great comment about uh, today's generation of professional wrestlers. Most of these guys, and once again, good morning, it's due to human growth hormone and juice. Most of your professional wrestlers today, by the time they're 40, can't tie their shoes. Yeah. You know, the wrestlers today, too, are actors. I mean, they're really, you know, everybody talks about they've got this... Uh, athleticism. They don't have any athleticism. Everything is planned. My God, uh, Greta Garbo could do these moves that they make. I, I mean, excuse me, and I don't think she had an ounce of athleticism in her whole body. And you know, and, and you can turn as far as bodies go, segue, this is a nice segue, into Mark McGuire. They've got a real problem in St. Louis. Do you know now that he's the batting coach that he hasn't said one word about the juice? The general manager, this guy Moseliak or whatever the hell his name is, got to be a good Polish kid, um, says uh, that he's not sure what exactly they're going to eventually have to say, but they know they've got to say something. What the hell is going on? Is this the Holy Grail, Chet? What, why can't he just, for a, for, you know what it is? McGuire's trying to protect his possibility of getting in the Hall of Fame. So he doesn't have any balls on him. He doesn't want to tell anybody the truth. He, re, he lied to Congress and the whole world, and there, and now he gets a job back in baseball. And nothing happened to him when he lied. Everybody knew he lied. I mean, so what is it? If you hit 70 home runs, you can do anything. You know, Denny, uh, you knew the commas in from day one. Yeah, sure. When the Cardinals announced Mark McGuire, and Mark McGuire wasn't at the news conference, and right. the press was told in St. Louis, Mr. McGuire will be available by telephone conference somewhere down the road. Basically, the ball club was saying, we're embarrassed, we're ashamed, 
We know this is ludicrous. However, we would not dare tell Tony LaRussa, the patron saint of our ball club, you can't do this because LaRussa runs that ball club. See, what I think is going to happen, um, this is Denny's prediction, I believe that there is going to be so much focused on this all season long. And McGuire, you know, he's got a little quick trigger, they say. I think McGuire will eventually do something conduct unbecoming a guy that we perceive to be a good guy and or he will leave the ball club because every city he's going to go in, what is the first story they're going to write? The Cardinals can be ahead 25 games in, in their division. The bottom line is they're going to talk about Mark McGuire. He is going to become the story. He'll be the mission of everybody to write a damning. And, and listen, who can say anything nice? Who's going to say anything nice about a guy that stood up in front of Congress and just lied his butt off for, what, a better part of two or three hours? All right, my friend. Um... You know, this this bothers me. It shouldn't because really, uh, in the great scheme of life, when I think about where we are societally, it's, uh, it's a triviality, but it does bother me. Can you explain to me why, other than the fact that uh, the writers adore him, even though he's the world's worst quote, why Greg Maddox wins an 18th gold glove? you got to tell me. Uh, you know, this is one of my pet peeves of all time. It's the same guys who win, win these gloves all the time. How Greg Maddox can win 18 gloves... I have no idea. I've always said he who kisses the ass of the writers the most winds up with a golden glove if he can just have a mediocre year. And some of the years he won golden gloves, he really had mediocre years. Um, there's a lot more to be said about a golden glove than just catching a ball that's hit back to you from time to time, uh, covering first base and, and turning and doing the right thing with the ball. There's lots of guys in the major leagues that do that on a consistent basis, if, if not even better than Greg Maddox ever did it. But I've never figured it out. The same guys get it. Listen, I'll give you another one. I know Al Kaline was a great right fielder. Great, great right fielder. But you know what? Even Al, and I don't know how many Al had, but even Al would tell you he didn't deserve one every year. I mean, that's the kind of guy he is. Have you ever heard Maddox say, well, man, how do, how do you win 18 Golden Gloves? I mean, it's, it's just another one of those stories for folklore down the road, and, and it'll wind up being in a board game. Well, who won 18 Golden Gloves? And the next question will be, how the hell did he do it? Hey, man, I got one for you that uh, you're going to find very intriguing. Uh, you might be aware of this story. If you're not, let me uh, let me enlighten the, uh, the great uh, Swami from uh, Motown. Kid yeah. out in Montana, playing with an aluminum bat, pitcher on the mound. Uh, normal time with a wooden bat, uh, approximately... Uh, uh, four-fifths of a second to get from uh, uh, home plate, crack of the bat, back to uh, the pitcher right. on a line drive. With an mm-hmm. aluminum bat, you drop about a tenth of a second off. Pitcher hit right right in the skull, right mm. in the front of the skull, dies. Oh, no. Louisville Slugger has to pay $600,000. So, Danny, you know what you're going to see in 20, uh, 2010? I guarantee you. You're going to see a congressional group or you're going to see a senatorial a uh, committee formed looking to outlaw, looking to outlaw aluminum bats, which is going to lead to major problems all over the country. First of all, I can't stand aluminum bats. But number two, there are little leagues in inner city environments that can't afford to buy $95 wooden bats every week for heaven's sakes. Yeah, um, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I hate the idea of the aluminum bat, uh, although, you know, I'm in the scrap steel business and I sell a lot of aluminum, but, uh, let me get a plug in. And, uh, but the bottom line here is the aluminum bat has always been dangerous, uh, for more reasons than one. Um, I don't understand, I do understand why it came about, but 
you know what, if somebody has to have aluminum bats all the time in their league, I suspect that they just don't know how to raise enough money for their little league or their Babe Ruth or their high school. It's real easy to go out and buy a couple of aluminum bats, and they last for forever, if not a very long time. And, and it takes away, you know what, it takes away fundraising to some degree because every school, every league needs it. But I, I'm, I'm really disappointed that uh, they, they still continue to do this. I think there was a time that it may have been needed. But with this aluminum bat, especially in the college ranks, the, it really shows you something that isn't true. When these guys are hitting uh, hard line drives in college, they're hitting home runs that are going 500 feet. Guys, folks, that isn't them. That's the bat. That's That's got nothing to do with their ability. If you swing that aluminum bat hard enough, that ball will go another, they say, 15, 18, 20% further than a wooden bat. But you know what? The game was invented in one special way, and the game should stay that way. And speaking of that, we got instant replay that has been voted down. I think it's a good idea. I don't like instant replay in any sport, by the way. But... <clears throat> excuse me, with the umpires as bad as they've been this year, <clears throat> and I suggest to you this is the worst I've ever seen umpiring, these umpires have taken their power and they have expanded it to a point now. In other words, with the instant replay and everybody being able to see their errors, that in fact this may make them better. And I suggest to you that baseball needs to get their ass in line again. When these umpires are so bad as what we saw in the playoffs in the World Series, they need to go tell these guys, go find a job. Go find another job because you suck as an umpire. Too many umpires today don't take the job seriously enough. Just just watch, folks, next year when you start watching ball games. Find out where the umpire's head is between pitches, between innings. It's in the stands trying to find a, a lovely young woman who wants to go out with an umpire. I'm telling you, that's where their heads are. Used to be that way a little bit, 60s, 70s, but at least they umpired. At least they did a good job. They do a lousy job today. You will not hear very many players like they used to in the old days talk about what a good job the home plate umpire did today. You never hear that anymore, Chet. I don't remember the last time I heard a pitcher say, yeah, he really did call a good game today. All right, Denny, in my opinion, uh, the gist of the problem goes back to... Uh, Quez Tech. Once Major League Baseball instituted Quez Tech and began uh, uh, offering up uh, scorecards to umpires on a nightly basis about their strike zone, that pissed off the umpires just enough to say, bleep you in return. Yeah. We will yep. We will be our own separate August body. We'll do whatever we damn well please. And one thing, one point you bring up, which I think is is the most valid point of all, is your umpire of today, in comparison with your umpire as recently as 15 years ago, his head's up his butt. Absolutely. No question. They are not worried about the game anymore. They are worried about how they look. Let's just look at, you know, they all got to wear the same uniform, but look how tailored the clothes are today. Look at how, and again, I'm going to It's like they're outfitted by Armani, for heaven's sakes. Absolutely. And I'm telling you, folks, next time you see a major league game, which will be in the spring, you watch where their heads are. You watch where their heads are between pitches and between innings. Between innings is a no-brainer. But between pitches, they're looking in the stands trying to find the next uh, candidate uh, to teach a young woman what a ball and a strike is. You know what I mean, buddy? Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, let me also, there's one other subject matter I've got that really peeves me off. Up here in Detroit, we just had one of the great guys of all time, Stevie Eiserman, go into the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. 
Now, Mr. Illich, who owns the hockey team, and Steve Eiserman always says the right thing. Steve Eiserman wouldn't say poop if he had a mouthful or a pants full. I mean, that's the kind of class act he has. I don't ever recall him criticizing anybody for anything at any time. But this Illich, who I call the master pimp of all, uh, is absolutely using Eiserman. It seems like every night, every other night, we've got another Steve Eiserman event. We've got a, we got another induction event, uh, last night. A couple of nights ago, we had another event. A week before he's inducted in the Hall of Fame, we have another Steve Eiserman night. If you weren't having, and by the way, they're having these Steve Eiserman nights and they're not selling out the stadium. Like I've always said, there's only 20,000 people in each city that really support these hockey teams and they're finding out even Steve Eiserman now, despite the laurels that he's collecting right now, and deservedly so, by the way. Uh, the bottom line is even he can't put butts in these seats anymore because of the money. And, he, and listen, I, I think Illich, you, know, you heard me go off on Illich with the Tigers too, uh, but the bottom line is to use Steve Eiserman as a drawing card now that his career is over and to try to put lots of butts in the seats I think is reprehensible. It's, 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 it's the Mike Illich pimp show, and I despise it. Yeah, you know, I, I know where you're coming from, and I buy exactly what you're saying. But mind you, in the case of Steve Eiserman, he's a retired hockey player. Yes. The rush is no longer there. The thrill of, you know, hoisting Lord Stanley's hardware, it ain't going to be there anymore. Right. So I would counter your argument by saying Eiserman probably, probably loves this because it makes him feel like he's still part of the locker room atmosphere. He can still call everybody Jonesy and Smitty and, you know, what the hell else, you know, they use in... Hockey yeah. locker rooms. The, the, the point is this. This probably makes Eisenman, who right now is trying to find his own identity, feel like he's appreciated. Well, let me tell you what's going on here, and a lot of people don't know this. He is a vice president with the Red Wings. Uh, they immediately, they wouldn't yeah, let that means go play away golf. from here. Huh? That means go play golf. Right, and essentially that's what it means. But Stevie's not. Stevie will work for his money. He's like K-Line. K-Line works for his money despite being uh, a vice president with the Tigers also. I mean, K-Line goes to work every day. Um, you know, they've got that big old what they call work ethic from the past. And you don't see a lot of that anymore. But these are two guys that really have sincere, serious major league work ethic. Uh, but this Iserman thing... Um, just devoting this much space and time to him to put people in the seats. And I disagree a little bit with you, Chet, because of this. Iserman is not the kind of guy who loves the attention. Uh, I guess we all like to be written about in a kind way, and we like to be certainly uh, have our assets brought up rather than our bad times brought up. But Steve Eisenman has never had some any real bad moments in his life as far as professional hockey. But the bottom line is, he's every time he has to get up and speak, I think you've seen him speak, it is an effort for him to get up there. It's a real serious effort. He's very uncomfortable. He's much more comfortable if he's just taking questions like most of us, because then you yeah. can mix in yeah. your stories. But the bottom line with Stevie, I don't think he likes this very much. And I, sooner or later, I think he's just going to go to Illich, Mr. Illich, the hockey pimp, and just say... <laughs> Listen, enough is enough. I think I think we've had enough Stevie Eiserman nights. All right, uh, in the great scheme of life, and you go back more than a couple of weeks, Sunday, Soldier Field, Tommy Harris mm. of the Bears, Slugs, a member of the Arizona Cardinals, while he's on the ground. Harris gets ejected. When was the last time you saw a fist win a fight against a helmet? And by the way, the Bears could have shown at least a slight degree of decency 
by telling Harris, you will not play in our next ball game against Mike Singletary and the 49ers, but the McCaskies, being the lowlifes that they are, don't do a damn thing. Man, I didn't know you felt that way about the McCaskies. Oh, my God. Denny, there, there, there are 11 kids going on 13, and of the 11 going on 13, 14 don't even know what day it is. No kidding. Yeah. That's a shame. Because you know what? They've been entrusted with a great, great history. Uh, I mean, is there anything better in the city of Chicago, with the exception of the Cubs, that has more history and more adult? No. Hell Nothing. No. I'm telling you, it is, you know what, it's, you know, I grew up in Chicago, as everybody knows, and, and I take special pride and honor in the Bears, even when they, even when they lose. I mean, they're my Bears. Uh, they'll always be my Bears. I mean, I can't get away from it. Uh, I get 25 guys call me on Sundays when they lose. Nobody calls me when we win. And, uh, I, that's kind of a shame to hear what you just said about the new ownership. I, I, uh, I have a tough time with that, but, uh, speaking to your subject, listen, anybody who wants to whack somebody with his hands uh, in, in any sport should be banned from the game for a couple of weeks, a couple of, a couple of games, take his money away, because that's the only thing they understand, Chet. Money is the only thing that gets their attention. Not a woman, not a drink, not a vacation. They've got everything else. Take their money and you'll get their attention. should only happen once, but unfortunately... The game, I think the game of football has become filthy in the last couple of years. Just filthy. I've never seen so much tripping as what I've seen the last couple of years. And sooner or later, somebody's going to break another leg, and then you've, then they'll have new rules for, well, now we got to protect the running back. You can't touch him. You can't touch him. You can't throw him. You can't tackle him. You, you know, let's, so what we should do in the great game that it is, and we all recognize, let's play flag football in the NFL. Or as Dick has said, let's play in dresses. And uh, by the way, that will be our principal topic when we open up uh, next time around. Two angry men, McLean and Kopik, where is the National Football League going with 340-pound offensive tackles? Because in 10 years, this game is going to be radically different, sports fans, than the game that we are watching right now. Now, don't forget, 24-7, you can dial up Denny and myself at uh, chetkopik.com. And also, Denny, I understand you're going to put this up on uh, your website. Is that correct? We do. We've got a couple of websites up here in Michigan, uh, DennyMcLean.us, and we've got uh, a couple of other ones called KIE Commodities and Finance. It'll be up there. And then, of course, uh, In Play Magazine, which is a huge success up here in Detroit. Uh, we're running our stuff up there every week. It's good stuff, and it's very entertaining for everybody. And we are back in seven days. You take good care of yourself, and don't forget, two angry men are always on your side. Yeah, be uh, careful you don't get into the ears of the bears. I'll put you in the lake. <laughs> yeah.